on those headphones. It's time for Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine. Welcome to Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine, the podcast that explores all things kinky in a sexy and inclusive way. This show is intended for mature audiences aged 18 and up, and some listeners may find it disturbing. We believe in risk-aware consensual kink here on the show, so if you do try things mentioned on the show at home, know that neither the show nor the cast are responsible for any accidents, injuries, legal or property damages that may occur while getting your kink on. Hey everyone, Sunny here. Before we dive in, I'd like to just start with a quick message. Today's episode is actually our season finale, and we'd set out to do the pilot season with eight episodes on the storyboard, and we're just having so much fun that we actually made it to 10. I'm so excited about how things are going, and we really want to commit to keeping the show high quality. So with the busyness of the summer months, we've decided to take a few weeks off to regroup. We want to think about what went well, brainstorm about new ways to keep our content fresh. I'm also really wanting to think about new ways for our listeners to engage and become part of the show. Now's a great time to join the Constellation Discord server because we're hoping to do a live virtual event with a regular cast, a little reunion with some opportunity for Q&A for listeners. You can find information about the server itself on HypnoStories FetLife page, and I think we're planning to do that in September, and then the show will be back the first week of October 2022. You'll also be able to find updates on my website, sunnyleemain.com, as always, and sign up for the mailing list if you'd like email updates. I'd like to thank our amazing guest hosts this season, Dan and Dawn, Enigma, Puppet, and Sarah Sloan, who will be joining me in a few minutes, and I'd also like to thank... VD Mac, HypnoStory, and PandaPat for an amazing first season. The four of us will be busy collaborating and recording together during the break. All right, I think that's all for the moment, and we can get started with episode 10, our very first season finale. Yay! Welcome to season one, episode 10 of Naughty Talk. I'm Sunny, she, her, and I am here with a very special guest, Sarah Sloan, she, they. How are you today? I am doing great, Sunny. How are you? I'm well, thanks. So you are, if I understand correctly, a kink educator and also a relationship coach, and you do a whole lot of teaching on a variety of lifestyle topics, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. I've been, uh, I started doing specifically kink education about a year and a half after I came into the community. I found the community in Richmond, Virginia, back in like 98. And um, there were not a lot of people who were teaching topics that I was really curious about. And so I would, I would kind of like squirrel away the knowledge. And then I would realize like, oh, I really want to talk about this. So I would start teaching and uh, started off with doing things like knife play and needle play. And um, I still do knife play and needle play at classes now, but a lot more of my classes have, have kind of expanded into more what we would think of as traditional sex topics, as well as like interpersonal dynamics. You know, how are we communicating with our partner, especially around uh, kink, um, whether it's, whether it's like play activity or relationships. Um, I just have this attitude that I'm always learning. And so I'm always wanting to learn new things, no matter how long I've been around. And yeah, I, I enjoy it because I, I get to be reminded of, of how, how varied all of our interests are even though we're in the kink community, 
you know, it's like there's there are people who have profoundly different interests than I do, but we're all kind of we're all together in this. So it's it's kind of cool. Absolutely. And, you know, as I've been starting to venture into sort of the kink education world, I'm really mindful to not take on too many classes in a given event because I really want to see what other people are doing. Yeah. And it could be, you know, a topic that I'm very well versed in, but everybody does things differently. There's always something new to learn. So yeah. I think that's a really great outlook. Um, yeah. I, I actually attended one of your classes recently um, in the Constellation server, and the topic was butt play. And that's kind of how I approached you and said, Hey, come and talk to <laughs> us about butts on Naughty Talk. <laughs> I like talking about butts. Um, <laughs> I mean, to me, you know, like butts are the great equalizer. Everybody's got one. Everybody's yes. got one. And so it doesn't <laughs> matter, you know, and I think especially for people that don't necessarily want to have like their genitals involved in their sex play, or they want to do something a little bit more taboo or, you know, I mean, honestly, I was doing butt stuff before I was ever kinky. Like, I mean, I was, I was kinky, but you know, it wasn't like, I wasn't explicitly kinky, but I was doing butt stuff when I was, you know, in my late teens with some of my early sexual partners. And so it, it, it's, it doesn't require any specific, framework. You don't have to like be kinky in order to enjoy it. You don't have to do it in a vanilla way. You know, it's just, it's, it's so much fun. And I think it's also um, because it is a part of the body that most of us have a lot of like taboos around. I mean, culturally, um, but also like, you know, for a lot of us, there's some shame about, you know, parts of our body that don't necessarily smell like daisies um, being played with that. I think it's a great opportunity to talk to people about like reconceiving their idea about themselves and like what's sexy about them and what's valuable and what's, what's the turn on. And, um, like when we can kind of look at this thing that we've always been told is like problematic or, you know, uh, or dirty or taboo. And we can see that as like a part of our whole sexual experience and get pleasure from it it really does change our mindset around our own bodies and around our partner's bodies. So I'm just over yeah. here, like frantically nodding in agreement. <laughs> Nobody can see me doing it. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> agree. Agree. It's so, it's so real, you know? Um, you know, I, and also like, I, I, I am a pun person and I'm a dad joke person. And I promise you, if you're doing butt play classes, you can do so there's the puns are just there ripe for the picking. All right. You give know? us your best ones then. <laughs> um, oh, um, well, the original version of my uh, anal play class was called butt seriously folks. Um, oh, I that love was, that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I usually like, uh, I like to say poo a couple of times because it just cracks people up. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, well, if you get a little poo on your dick, you know, people are like, ah, and, but it loosens <laughs> them up. So, but it's also real. It, you know, we don't, nothing that we do in this world is clean and tidy, you know, it, it, nothing like we can't, we can't do any, like, if you're going to go make an omelet, you're going to make a mess. You know, like I, I have to wipe egg goop off of my fingers or pull eggshells. It's like, but in the end, like we get this amazing omelet and it doesn't matter that we made a little mess. Messes are easy to clean up. Why are we even bothering worrying about that? You know, but we've got just got so much baggage in our culture around um, what we might do to offend a partner 
that's being intimate with us or um, like our own, you know, can we control our own biases to think that it's bad or disgusting? And so, yeah, it, it's kind of like, I feel like when we laugh about it a little bit, we make it okay for, for people to be, to be messy, um, both in an emotional sense and also like, you know, physical sense. And I think you touched on something important that I had actually planned to um, to ask you about. So I think we can kind of dig into it a little bit. But I feel like with butt play, for whatever reason, people like to attach all kinds of stigma to it. Mm-hmm. Things like, oh, it's only for the bottom or the S type. Things about sexual orientation, like just all kinds of things that really, you know, are not the case. And mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of sort of sensual BDSM and sensual play, whether it's kinky or not. And it can really just simply boil down to this is something that feels good to my body today. It does not have to have any greater meaning. So do you want to maybe talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, I think one of the groups of people that is most hurt by those, um, stigmas is, uh, cis men because, so many, and I, I think it's better now for, for newer generations. I'm in my early fifties. And so my generation, there was still very much the stigma of like, well, if you like anybody playing with your butt, it means you, you're gay, you know, for, for men. And I do still see a lot of people really struggling with, with that kind of, that was what they were told, even if logically they know that that's not the case. Um, I remind people that activity does not equal orientation. You know, that's like saying that everybody who's ever had a threesome in their entire life, even if it was like one night in college when they were drunk, must then be bisexual or must be polyamorous. It's like, no, those, you know, it's like you can do a thing and not have it be part of your identity. I mean, we were talking a little bit about how cis men are often affected by the stigma. And personally, I find that really is kind of sad. It's kind of sad. And, you know, I'm a pansexual person and have had partners and play partners over the years of different genders and identities. But I have had quite a few um, cis male partners who were a good bit older than myself. And a lot of them were struggling like for the first time with physical difficulties, with, you know, erectile dysfunction or trouble with orgasm and that kind of thing. And I, I found that there really did seem to be a sort of generational gap about how acceptable it is to play with your butt. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the few that I am thinking of who were kind of open to exploring a little bit really found that if you involved the prostate, Mm -hmm. you know, there were times when they were able to orgasm when maybe genital stimulation enough was not enough. And, you know, it really became sort of a a positive thing. Mm -hmm. But for most of them there, it was sort of this hill to climb. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's about understanding that what we do does not, does not mean anything other than what meaning we give it. You know, um, I was also thinking about the fact that like, it's always seen as something, you know, you mentioned it's something that bottoms receive and, Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, so technically yes. Um, but also, you know, I've 
had a number of partners in my life who were tops that really wanted to be pegged. And does that mean that they're less dominant? No, it just means that they're directing their pleasure, which is kind of the most dominant thing to do. You know, it's, you know, it's like, um, you know, I've also heard that with, with female dominance, it's like, oh, well, you're not really dominant if your male submissive penetrates you. And I'm like, hmm, really? Really? So if you're telling him exactly what to do and how long to do it, and it's about your pleasure, that's not dominant? But apparently, like we've conflated, certain activities mean certain things. And the reality with butt play is you don't even have to have anything go in in order for it to feel good. Like just playing with the outside with like a lubed up uh, finger or a, a vibrator or something like that. It's so pleasurable that it, you know, it, it's like, why, why do we have people that feel like they can't even explore that pleasure or that potential pleasure? Because they've been, you know, they've been raised to think of it as being something that was bad, whether it's because they were raised to think of it that, you know, that means that you have a certain orientation or that it's a values judgment against you as a person. Like, and that's absolute bullshit, because I guarantee you a lot of people who have, um, have grown up with that, um, what ends up happening sometimes is that they'll, um, almost like over fetishize the activity because they don't feel like that it's okay for them to experience it without that kind of, um, that kind of environment. So it's like they become very focused on like, I've got to get this need met rather than a more organic exploration where it's like, okay, so I can give myself permission to enjoy all of my body. And then we can then negotiate that with partners from a place of our own wholeness and a place of our own empowerment. So um, I really, you know, I'm glad that I don't see that as much now, but I know that it's, it's still out there and it's still really pervasive and it really does make me sad. You know, it's, it's robbing people of potential pleasure when we, when we tell them that that's not a thing that they're allowed to do. And I am not a big believer in rules like that. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm a big proponent of sort of doing things with intent Mm -hmm. when it comes to kink or play in general. And I think that actions or, um, you know, specific sex acts, they have the meaning that we choose to give them. They have the power that we choose to give them. And I mean, that's really what power exchange is about. You know, you're choosing to give or take or, um, to assign power to a specific person or to a specific object or thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as a dominant person, I enjoy having things in my butt. I just do. It feels good. (laughs) A whole new kind of orgasm. And so do I feel that if I were to tell a submissive partner, you know, I want you to put that plug in my butt and they were to follow my directions and do as they were commanded and I enjoyed it, that that would mean that we were doing like switch play? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. There's the confusion of the locus of control and the activity. You know, it's, it's like, I have known uh, there's somebody I know who is um, loves to be a little and is the brattiest little and is dominant. And people would see them dressed up as a little and they would, they would be like, Oh, you know, that, that person must be submissive. It's like, Oh no, no, no. 
That is not the way that this person comes across at all. They're very bossy. They're very domineering and they have a blast with it. And their partners who are like, you know, daddy or uncle or babysitter um, end up on the receiving end of their, uh, of their meanness. And it's delightful. And it's something that it really flips that script kind of on its ear. But if you think about it, it's like, you know, a, a five-year-old girl or a four-year-old girl is really like super bossy mm-hmm. and dominant. And so I love the fact that like, this is a person who has chosen to actually, you know, take that thing that we would generally see as submissive and make it their own and make it the way that they enjoy playing with power. I'm kind of giggling because, um, you don't know this about me, but I'm actually um, a top and a sadist even in little space. Mm-hmm. So it's something I've talked about on the show and I don't always play in little space, but when I do, some of my play partners have commented that I actually seem to get like more sadistic, the littler. <laughs> I oh feel. yeah. So um, totally. Yeah. So I am just kind of like, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that sounds about right. And I mean, it can be super hot. You know, I'm going to um, actually be telling a story on a short because we're doing these shit happens. Um, Naughty talk rules too. <laughs> shit happens. Um, and my story is actually about a lost butt plug, but it was during a scene where I was topping as a little and it was a menage scene. And my daddy at the time was there, but I also had a dolly to play with. And I love like dolly and toy play. And anyway, I digress. <laughs> no, it's all good. I'm, I'm enjoying listening. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, stay tuned for that story in an uh, upcoming short because it's a, it's a really fun one. <laughs> but kind of back to, to butt play because yeah. <laughs> I get distracted. Um, kind of circling back to butt play. We were talking a little bit about prostate stimulation. And mm-hmm. do you want to say anything about, I don't know, words of wisdom, how to find it, why it might be awesome? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, prostates and G-spots. So a lot of people are like, oh, G-spot orgasms. And they, you know, they, they like, that's the thing that they already understand. Um, so originally that tissue is the same the prostate and the G-spot, the tissue is, it starts out the same place. Um, Neither of them are a magic bullet, like automatically doing G-spot play does not mean you've just upped your orgasm game to 11. It it is just simply another way of, of experiencing pleasure that brings a different part of the body in, right? We, we generally think of uh, orgasms for folks with vulvas as like clitoral focused. Um, But this kind of changes it and makes it more of a full body experience. Um, Prostate play is exactly the same for folks with penises. Um, It is, uh, it's a slow burn kind of a play. Um, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, it's just going to be like stimulated, stimulated, stimulated orgasm. And that's not at all how it works. Um, Prostate play is a really great tool for exploring your body and getting into your body's rhythms as opposed to like an an external desire for speed, which is a lot of times like how we tend to think about orgasms is like, oh, we we need to have this happen in a certain amount of time. Um, Prostate play is very atypical because it is uh, like, I usually use like, you know, it's like when you're roasting your butt, it's low and slow. 
you know, if you're, if you're making barbecue. <laughs> um, but it's, it's the truth. It's like for a prostate play session, sometimes it's, you know, they go on for 45 minutes to two hours, depending on what toys you're using or what activities you're doing. That is not at all uncommon. And, and so it forces us to actually slow down. It forces us to think about like, what is my body doing? How is it? How, how can my body experience pleasure differently when I breathe slower or when I slow this down or when I alternate between prostate stimulation and penile stimulation. Um, and it is one of the keys to folks with penises having multiple orgasms. Um, it is entirely possible to have multiple prostate orgasms. It's entirely possible to have multiple blended orgasms. Um, so it's, I think that what is daunting for people is um, often there's so much baggage around getting a finger in there or getting a toy in there. And then there's, you know, oh, well, this isn't working because, you know, five minutes later, nothing magical has happened. And so they quit on it. And, you know, I tend to suggest to people, it's like, actually try it a bunch of different times in different ways. Try being in different positions when you're doing it. Try just putting a prostate stimulation plug in and leaving it in place while you're doing other things, while you're sitting at your computer, kind of like surfing the internet or, um, you know, like while you're just gently moving around your house and see how it feels. And there's no right or wrong, but you're looking for what feels particularly good. And then how can you iterate on that? You know, it's like an engineering problem, essentially. And also it, it can be sort of externally stimulated. If oh, yeah. Isn't like ready for full penetration. One of the things that I like to do is put pressure either with my fingers or with like a wand that vibrates mm-hmm. just sort of in the perineum area. Yeah. And yeah. so without actually doing any penetration, you can still kind of explore what that sensation might be like. And it's really yeah. amazing for me when my partner is like, I just came a second time. <laughs> like, yeah. Like this magic moment. It's never happened before. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. The like- <laughs> way that watching surprise on a partner's face, like when they're, when they're in that space is mm-hmm. such a beautiful thing. It's like, I've been uh, one of my earliest um, longer term play partners who was really into anal play. Um, I remember one time I had my finger in and was doing prostate simulation and I actually felt the orgasm start before my partner acknowledged it. And so it was like, I felt it and then I saw their face and it was just the most screamingly intimate thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, you know, I, I, I am a, I'm a cis woman. I have a vulva. I do not have a penis. I've never had an opportunity to stick my penis a sensate penis into a partner and feel what it feels like when they orgasm. But having that moment of being able to feel their prostate start pulsing as, you know, as they were beginning an orgasm and being able to like know what was coming and being able to see and feel the entire process was absolutely mind blowing. And still to this day is. And I think a lot of people enjoy that when they're playing with a vagina mm-hmm. and it 
it's kind of mind boggling to me how people can assign so much pressure to like one body part or another. Maybe it's just because I'm pansexual and I don't really care what yeah. part somebody has. Like gender is not that important to me, but it's just amazing. I feel like so much pleasure is overlooked or missed out on because oh, yeah. of these kind of thoughts. And I think that you know, aside from any type of like social stigma, that sort of thing, the other giant elephant in the room is that people are really afraid of poop. Like they're just yeah. super afraid of it. And oh, I, mean, yeah. I get it, you know, like nobody wants to feel like there's something dirty going on or whatever. And there are ways to kind of prep and minimize the chances of it being like, yeah. you know, like a major incident. But I mean, it's probably possible that it's going to happen. And if you go into it with this expectation that like, I'm going to be totally squicked out if it happens, like you're going to be stressed the whole time. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. And I think that's one of, um, one of the reasons why it is pretty common for me to talk with folks who are like, is there like, can I have a glass of wine before I do anal play? Or, you know, can I, can I smoke a little weed before I do it? Because I think that we know that we've got baggage around it and Mm -hmm. like our asses will remember shit like no business, nobody's business. Um, You know, before we started recording, we talked a little bit about PTSD and as somebody with PTSD, I'm really believe strongly that our bodies hold on to memories Mm -hmm. Um, and our bodies are also, they magnify our emotions and, you know, we, we're generally, when we talk to people about like, Oh, are you reducing stress? And we have them breathe deeply. We like tell them like, drop your shoulders, relax your chest, breathe deep into your chest. But we can also check how stressed we are by like, literally how tight is our butt today? And And how much human development like sort of circles around like toilet training and pooping at the wrong time and like all of that. And we all have, um, you know, we've all been taught that we should be ashamed of um, our vulvas and our butts and our penises, right? It's like, you know, if you have a penis, it's like, is it large enough? Is it, is it too big? Is it too small? Is it the right shape? Is it circumcised? Is it uncircumcised? Is it clean? Oh my God, we've got to like get right out of the shower before we, you know, we have a date because God forbid we should smell like a, or taste like a human being. And we, you know, like that's just magnified for anal play. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, and I mean, I grew up in an area where, uh, or in an era where I would watch TV on a Saturday and I would see five mass and gill douche commercials. And it was like, okay, so I'm not supposed to smell like a woman. I'm supposed to smell like a fucking field of flowers. That's some bullshit. <laughs> but it was, you know, it's like, I, I didn't actually get that message verbally until I was in my early thirties. And as somebody who's been doing this for a long time, I still have those moments where I'm just like, Oh no, no, like I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm spotting a little today and you, you don't want to, you don't want to go down there. And, you know, so it's like, we can know that it's bullshit and still get caught up in it. Absolutely. And, and so it's, you know, I, I am super, super generous with people that are feeling really nervous about it because like, God, I do too. Sometimes like, I don't think any of us is ever going to 100% totally conquer all of the bias that we were raised with. Like, that's not how brains work. Um, But what we can do is start building good associations. Like we can clearly, like we can start playing with ourselves in in a judgment-free zone. Um, We can negotiate with partners like, hey, I am really nervous about this. These are things that will help me feel less nervous about you playing with my butt. Um, 
we can look at like, what do we need it to do in order to feel comfortable? Um, you know, it's like when I do G spot classes, I tell people it's like, get a, you know, get a chuck or whatever and put it down before you start. Because one of the things that will stop us from pleasure is if we suddenly go into like the mode of, oh my God, I'm going to do a thing. I'm going to make a mess. And it literally will shut our pleasure right down. And so with anal play, one of the things I tell people is like, if you and your partner need for like there to be some clean out, then do that. But also like make an agreement ahead of time. It's like, you know, there is going to be shit that's going to happen. Like that is the reality of the world. And if body talk rule too, shit happens, you know, it (laughs) really, really, really is. And so when we, but when we can turn that into a place where we can build intimacy with our partner and we can say, okay, so I'm really nervous about this and this is what I need to have happen. And if shit does happen, you know, I want you to handle it in a certain way. And, you know, it's like, you know, if you're into like a little bit of humiliation, maybe you say like, this is not a thing that you can humiliate me with. Like this is, this is out of bounds. Um, you know, or it may mm-hmm. be that you decide to actually embrace it and, and kind of like, let it be a thing that gets called out. Like, you know, like if you want to face it and conquer it, maybe that's the thing that you do. But thinking about what do you need in order to feel safe is, is critical to thinking about what do you need in order to enjoy anal play? Because if you're not feeling like you can be yourself, you're not, you're not actually letting your body experience the pleasure. Right. And also, you know, limits are things like I don't personally enjoy or do anything with scat play. Like that is always on my list of limits, but I don't Mm -hmm. consider like a little bit of accidental poo on a toy that nobody can control to be intentional scat play. It's not the same thing as like, you know, like pooping on someone's chest on purpose. It's just not. And I mean, that's fine if that's what you enjoy. But I think just having conversation about that, like, okay, like we don't do this kind of play, but we're going to do butt play. And this might be something that comes into our scene. And, you know, are we both okay with that? And also just kind of like when you're sort of, dipping your toes in, you can plan for success a little bit. Like you can go to the bathroom, you know, an hour or so before, or you can, you do not have to do like anything elaborate. They have those little like single use, um, like saline enemas. You can just Mm -hmm. kind of rinse out a little bit or, you know, just choosing the toy. If you go digging in a butthole (laughs) with a really, if you do, if you go digging in a butthole with a really long toy, like a really long set of beads, for example, Mm -hmm. like beads like to collect things and they go in really deep versus like a glass butt plug that's just a plug and is just going to be like in that first inch or two of the rectum, like what comes out when you pull it out can vary quite a bit. So you can think about those things and kind of, you know, plan for for your own comfort while you're exploring. And, and as you're, as you're starting to like develop the experience, um, you get to know your body's rhythms a little bit differently. Um, you know, for somebody who eats like primarily plant-based low fat, chances are that they're pretty clean after they poop because, you know, high fiber and not a lot of fat means that your body's pretty efficient at eliminating stuff. Um, (laughs) Vegetarianism for the win. (laughs) I'm a vegetarian, so Uh, my boy has a t-shirt that says vegetarian on it. Um, So I just was, that was what it was like, oh, you're a vegetarian. So is he. (laughs) 
Um, no, I honestly, though, it, you know, diet has so much to do with it. Hydration has so much to do with it. Stress has so much to do with it. And, you know, our butts are the part, you know, they are, it's like the canary in the coal mine for whether we're feeling okay. Um, you know, if I'm not well hydrated, I'm going to know. Um, because the minute I put something like, um, a little bit of a clean out with, with like a small animal, uh, an animal bulb, not like, not like a gallon, but like, you know, eight ounces, six ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're really dehydrated, your body's going to suck that water up because that's what rectums do is they absorb water. Uh, you know, like they collect feces and absorb the water out of it so that it passes more free, more easily. But like, if you put water in your butt and it, nothing comes out, that's an indicator that maybe you're not quite hydrated. Um, you know, if you're really stressed out, it's hard to get your body to open up when it's stressed out, period, end of story. And so it may be an opportunity for us to do things like, okay, I need to actually spend a little time relaxing, you know, I need to do some deep breathing exercises, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna put myself in a hot bath with some bubbles and where I can just kind of like let go of whatever's frustrating me for the day before I go play, because I know that that will end up being a much more pleasurable session for me. So we can start kind of listening to our bodies and and understanding like, oh, this is the mind, body, spirit connection is very, very uh, evident when it comes to playing with it, with your ass. You know, if you're not, if you're not in the right place, don't push yourself to do it. You know, and if you, if you start off and your body's just like, this is not a good day for it, like, accept that, let that be your experience. Yes. From a person who has had a small (laughs) terror in my asshole Mm -hmm. at a time in my life, it's not a pleasant thing to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, we live and we learn, but like, do not force it. It's, I can't say that enough. Go slow. There's no such thing as too much lube. And like, if it's just not happening, even if it happened for your body yesterday or last week, if it's not happening today, like, that's cool. Maybe don't force it. Maybe just give your body some time and come back to it another time. Like that's fine. You don't get brownie points for suffering on this. Like, like this is not like, you know, you don't get extra credit because you pushed through it. Like I know that. And, and for a number of people who are on the bottom or the submissive side, there's often a sense that they need to just endure something for the benefit of the bottom or the top Mm-hmm. Or that, that, you know, somehow enduring it makes them feel good. And that's okay. But I would really strongly ask folks to challenge that assumption when it comes to ass play. Um, I mentioned earlier that our bodies have memories. And one thing that I have seen repeatedly is um, people who have had one or two negative experiences with anal play that have a lot of difficulty in the future with actually opening up and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Because their body holds on to that, you know? It's just um, like, nope, we're not doing this again. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, the number of um, – I used to manage an adult store that was very education-focused here. And I would regularly have particularly, like, younger cis women who would say that, like, their boyfriend or their husband did, like, oops, wrong hole and penetrated them without any warm-up. And uh-huh. – and and they literally can't think about being penetrated without their butt closing up. 
because that is an invasion. It's a violation. And our bodies hold on to that. And so, you know, and to anybody who's listening, who's like that happened to me, you can teach your body that it's okay to do it. But um, this is one of those places where I don't give a rip how dominant your partner is or how submissive you are. Um, whoever is the receiving person should be the one who's in control of how fast and how deep, um, you know, because a lot of times it's like, there's this, for me, like when I have bottom to anal, it's like, there's this initial shock of like, holy shit. And then if I breathe through it, like for three breaths, I'm good, you know, but I need to, I need to kind of like have that opportunity to like remind my body, like, Hey, this is, this is okay. Um, and so you know, if I'm the receiving partner, even if there's no power dynamic, I will still say like, um, when I tell you to hold off, you need to hold off, you know, and like, let me be the person that initiates thrusting, like, I can move my body back against your hand or the toy or your penis or whatever. Um, Because then it puts me in a position where I am psychologically more safe and more in control. And it lets me play in a way that my body can handle at the time. Um, And so that builds confidence, like psychologically, it builds confidence. It's like, oh, okay, this can be something that I have control over and that can be pleasurable, which totally blows that bad experience out of the water. You know, like this is the exact opposite. So when we set ourselves up for opportunities to do something that we have more control over how quickly it happens um, and in what manner it happens, we we kind of create more safety so that, you know, maybe three or four sessions down the road when it's like, oh, it's time for something to go in the butt and, and like a finger or a toy is just at the entrance, our bodies go, oh, okay, this, we know that this, we know this, this, this is going to feel good in a minute. And our bodies can relax into it more. Absolutely. And I I definitely think it's important just to remember that, you know, on the dominant side of the slash, if the person is more concerned with, well, this was my plan and it's not working out or ego or whatever, then the actual physical safety of their partner, like that's a giant red flag anyway. That's why things with any kind of play like safe words exist. And I as a top... I don't want to play with someone who I don't trust is going to express when, you know, they're nearing their yeah. limits because it's just not safe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to be the person that somebody is having a bad experience with, you know, like I don't want anybody to have a bad experience, but I, I know that miscommunications can happen. And um, I, I would just rather not set that up from the start. Like I would rather say like, what do we need in order for this scene to be successful? What do we need in order for you to feel good walking away from this? And then let's, let's plan for that. You know, um, like I, I don't get brownie points if I get both fists in your butt. Like, I mean, I probably would get brownie points if I did that, frankly. Um, but you know, it's like, there's no, there's no like, Oh, I, I did a great scene because of the, substantial size toy that I used. It's like what makes a good scene for me as the dominant is being able to take my partner on a ride and Mm -hmm. have both of us get off the ride at the end of it, sweaty and exhausted and happy. That's it. Doesn't matter how I get there. Doesn't matter, you know, and 
you know, with, with like more kind of like impact play, I'm just using this. It doesn't matter whether I use a little light flogger or the heaviest one in my arsenal, which is the one that what, what is the thing that is going to get both of us to feel really happy? And then that's what we go with. Right. So we've mentioned a lot about different types of toys sort of in passing, but do you have some favorites, like favorite butt toys of all time? Ooh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of glass and metal for butts. Um, and, and for folks who are a little unsure about sex toys or, you know, that kind of like have a lot of concerns, I always have to say like actually glass and metal, if the glass is made correctly um, and the metal is like a good quality metal, are some of the safest toys that you can use. Um, yep. They're totally non-porous. Um, they, you know, they can be cleaned excruciatingly well and shared between partners or for those of us who are non-monogamous with all of our people. Um, I really love, um, so I'm going to brand shout out two companies. One is uh, Enjoy, which does a metal toy and their plugs are amazing. They do have a prostate plug. Um, and I like the way that they kind of sit between the butt cheeks real nicely. Mm-hmm. So they're good for like wearing while other things are happening. They're not necessarily, they don't have to be the main attraction. You know, it's like you can put it in and it's set it and forget it. It's like the Ronco rotisserie thing. Um, the other company I really love is Crystal Delights. Um, I've been, um, I've had Crystal Delights products in my toy case for over 10 years. They, they've been around for 12 years and they, are amazing quality, but the metal and the glass toys require less lubrication um, because they're creating no friction whatsoever. Um, so I think for people who want to do extended wear, um, they're really good. They also provide like a little bit of a weight and a little bit of a presence in a way that silicone doesn't. Um, so I, I tend to really like those. In terms of like specifically for prostate or G spot. Um, I tell people like those are actually a lot of times the exact same toy with two different colors. You know, they'll do the pink one or the purple one for your G spot and then the blue one or the black one for your prostate. And it's like, mm, often one of those two spots is about $20 more expensive than the other. So I, I tell was people going to say, and I bet there's a pink tax on it too. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Um, I would actually say that it's a reverse because oh, I, I think here's my, here's my theory. I really think that um, uh, some sex toy companies market off of the shame of their products. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if they know that, you, that their customers are going to feel ashamed about something in their butt, then, you know, they're not necessarily going to give you all of the information that you need. Because you're not, you know, you're less likely if you're feeling ashamed to actually investigate options. You know, you're That's more true. likely you're to just likely come to, like, in. price compare and say, yeah. what do you have? And- exactly. And there are some companies that do a very good job of honoring um, their cis male customers. Um, Aneros does a really wonderful job of creating a, a really good quality product that's not super sexualized and, and they're very intentional about this is for prostate massage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of companies that are out there that, um, you know, kind of market to the shame and not to the quality that I believe that people deserve. 
And it's not even a question of money anymore. You know, it's, it's about, you know, is this a product that is built with human beings and human bodies in mind, as opposed to like some porny version of, you know, an anal play toy, like, you know, I've seen anal play toys that are like bigger around than my arm. And I, you know, like there are some people that really love those, but the majority of people who want an anal play toy do not want anything that big. You know, they want something that's much smaller. They want something that's a little bit more discreet or that they don't have to wrangle, you know? And so, yeah, it's, some of this is about like buy from companies that show respect for you as a customer first and foremost. Um, I really, uh, I like wands as well. Um, Mm -hmm. The, um, and I'm just going to talk about rigid wands, like uh, a metal, curved metal or a curved glass wand is really great for, for prostates. Um, Side note, if you are somebody that has a a vagina, you can stimulate G-spot through the rectum. Like that is not even difficult to do. Um, and in fact, I would say that the, um, having a plug in when the vagina is being penetrated. So like plug in the butt, something penetrating the vagina actually does increase G spot stimulation as well. So, (laughs) you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, the curved, like the, the plugs that are curved, kind of like the enjoy plugs. Um, another educator one time said it's like an on ramp to your G spot. Cause you put that in and then something goes in the vagina and it literally aims it up towards the G spot. I also really love glass toys. I oh, think the, nice. the icicle line, I don't know what the mm-hmm. bigger it's like escaping my brain. I'm sure it will come yeah. to me as soon as we stop recording, but the, the larger brand, but the icicle toy line are really actually reasonably affordable and they're yeah. beautiful and they're glass. Like you can boil them, disinfect them. You know, I had a lot of the same thoughts about certain toys can be mm-hmm. fluid bonded to a specific person mm-hmm. and toys with certain materials really should be either used with some kind of like a, you know, a condom or a barrier yeah. or, you know, fluid bonded to a person because you can never really get them a hundred percent disinfected. But glass yeah. is amazing in that way. So you don't have to have like a separate bag of toys, at least if they're yeah. glass for all of your partners. So that's really kind of nice. And yeah. especially like, you know, if you think about a toy that can be used in like more than one hole, like you yeah. probably want something that's been in your butt really disinfected before it goes like in a vagina, yes. for example. Yeah. And you can, uh, you know, like if you're, if you're combining both, you can go front to back, but you never go back to front. Yeah. Um, because vulvas do not like those germs. They no, thank not. you. But, but, <laughs> but butts don't care. Butts are like, butts oh, don't care. yeah. So I always tell people it's kind of like when you're, when you're a small person and you're learning to go to the bathroom, you learn wipe from front to back. Front to back. <laughs> yeah. So I just tell people it's like, if it's going from the front hole to the back hole, you don't need to worry about it. Opposite direction. You absolutely need to worry about it. Yep. And I, I actually recommend having, you know, nitriles really nice. If you don't want to worry about latex allergy, you know, gloves, because sometimes you don't want to completely stop the play, leave the room, you know, especially oh, yeah. if a person is in bondage or something, but you also don't want to contaminate other parts of their body or other toys. So if you can just throw the gloves away, you know, that can be a really easy way to take care of that. Yeah. Um, I've also put condoms on toys that are going to be used in, in the butt and then mm-hmm. remove them. 
Um, I have taken to keeping uh, wipes near the bed uh, just to like, you know, I'll take the condom off and then I'll just do a quick wipe around to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Um, yeah, there's lots of ways to like hack it, particularly if you're not a person who has like umpteen thousand toys, like you don't necessarily have to, you know, like you can plan out how you're using them so that you're using them safely, but you also can like use them as much as you really want to. And also Um, for like things that vibrate or that you have to charge or I like rechargeable because it's better for the earth and wasting a bunch of batteries, but like you can't drop a rechargeable, you know, vibrating toy in boiling water to sanitize it. So you have to think about like, what is this toy for? Is it a butt only toy? Is it just for one person? Or maybe, you know, do I want to put a glove on it? Yeah. I mean, um, oh, another pro tip, um, a lot of the nitrile, so I'm a big fan of nitrile gloves because you don't ever want to like have to tap out of a date because they have a latex allergy and you didn't prepare that. Um, but the, the, the tips on the fingers of a lot of nitrile gloves have a texture. And while we may not notice it, I guarantee you, but tenderness will notice it. Um, and so one of the suggestions that I've, I've made is put the glove on and then take it off like you're turning it inside out and then put it back on because then you get this really super soft side. That's generally like the wearer side. That's actually then what you're using on your partner. And so it actually makes it an even softer experience. Go figure. Pro tips. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like I'm also a person who uses gloves for other things where I need to be able to like hold on to really small items. And so like, I really want that grip then I don't necessarily want that grip when I'm playing with somebody's butt. Um, But you mentioned vibrators. And I would also say if you are a person that has a wand vibrator, they make attachments that fit most of the, the, like the Hitachis and some of the, some of that line. Um, You can get like a G spot attachment that is amazing for anal penetration. Um, they tend to be very, they tend to all be made of silicone. There are some, you know, like, uh, elastomer mm-hmm. ones out there, but it's pretty easy to get a silicone one for 50, $60 max. Throw it on that wand that you already have. And if you have a rechargeable wand, you have spent some money on that, that little baby, yes. you know, this lets you have a, a, a thing that you can attach to it. And it delivers so much vibration through the silicone that it really is, I think, in in some ways, far better than a smaller vibrating toy that you would normally like. That would be okay to insert, um, just because the it translates the power in the wand through to the end of the toy. Um, when you're looking at anal toys in particular that you want to vibrate, the downfall is that there has to be room for the motor in that toy, and so that makes it a larger toy by nature. And so for people who are just starting out, my suggestion is to get a thinner toy and use a vibrator on the outside of it, because then you're, you're able to get that vibration without necessarily having to go for a toy that you're not sure whether you can take or not. I was just thinking about that. I've done that so many times, like you do a glass or a metal, like smaller plug, and then you just hold your wand against you know, the base of it, mm-hmm. um, so that the, the vibrating toy is not really being inserted. Yeah. I mean, I've also held, um, 
I, I'm, I'm of course, like I'm sitting here where nobody can see me showing it. So I've also used my fingers while holding the vibrator in my hand. Um, Mm -hmm. so because your fingers do, if the vibration is strong enough, your finger fingers will transmit some of it, but also it means that I can press the vibrator into my partner's perineum. And Mm -hmm. so I get that additional boost towards the prostate or, um, if I'm playing with somebody's who has a vulva, I can like rock the vibrator closer up towards the clitoris so that now it's like a surround sound kind of an experience. Um, so just holding a vibrator and using your fingers without even inserting it means that, you know, if you're, if you're just starting out with toys and you have a vibrator at home that is not anal safe, which means, you know, and when I say anal safe, what we want to avoid is putting anything in our butts that doesn't have a flange that's large enough to keep it outside of the body um, because butts suck. And they literally will create like a little bit of a, a suction mm-hmm. and they will pull things in. And and we do not want to have anal play scenes that result in somebody having to go to the ER. That's that's just, I think we can all agree that that is not the public humiliation scene that we want to do. So I was actually uh, going to ask you about yeah. that. So obviously, for anybody listening, if you have lost an object or toy inside of your body, you probably want to seek medical attention, it is like embarrassing, but not worth the horrible things that will happen if you do not have it removed. So I just want to say that first. However, if somebody swallows a butt plug, because that can happen, it can be sucked in. Mm -hmm. Is there something they may first try before immediately driving to the air? I mean, unless, unless there is something on there that is going to cause damage because it is like an exposed, uh, seam or like, you know, what we want to go in butts is we want something that's very smooth. We want something that doesn't have any like plastic seams on it. Um, Mm -hmm. because that, that tissue is so tender, assuming that there is not anything on there that is actually going to actively cause damage while it is inside. Um, I actually suggest relaxing, um, a little bit, like get over the, oh, oh my God, there's a thing in my butt and I can't get it out. Like, like breathe past that. Cause that's so um, easy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, so it's like initially, like we have to get past the trauma response of like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like sometimes it is a tiger, but it's not actually a tiger. Like, so, you know, like get, get past like, oh, okay. There's something in my butt. I'm just gonna, just gonna kind of relax for a second. Um, you may be able to um, kind of put a couple of fingers in and be able to to get it. Like it's not going to like travel up into your colon. Like the nice thing is it's really only like your rectum is really only about seven inches on a good day when it's being stretched out before it takes a hard left. And, you know, so, so like there is actually a limited amount of room that's in there. Um, and for some people, being able, you know, you can reach in or if you're, if it's your partner, you can kind of like use a couple of fingers and see if you can hook it out. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is, is to kind of like bear down a little bit, almost like you, like you're you, going to poop it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you may need to like get a couple of fingers in just, just inside of this, the anal sphincter to kind of help it come out. But quite often, if, if it's something that's gone in that easily, it's probably not going to be the worst thing in the world to take it out. Um, 
What I would say is if it's something fairly small, it can get rotated and then then you would want to have some additional support in getting it out from a medical professional. Um, but my suggestion is like as much as possible, only choose toys and only choose things to put in your butt that are made for putting in your butt. And, you know, like, this is not the time to go like, oh, let's put that, those, those candles in, you know, it's like, no, no, like there's, mm-hmm. there are affordable, <laughs> safe choices for butt play. Um, there are silicone, there are companies that are making silicone toys that are under $30 now. You know, um, the glass plugs from Crystal Delights are under 40 So there's no reason for most of us, you know, like, like when I started getting toys to put in your butt, you didn't have a lot of choices. Now you do. Um, So I would say like, you know, get something that's actually made for it. Um, Make sure that the flange on it is large enough in comparison with the neck of it. So the, the part that actually kind of like goes between goes into the sphincter and kind of sits there. Um, make sure that that base on it is large enough to have it not pull in. I do like a pull test um, on things. I will put my fingers around uh, like the stem of it or around the neck of it um, kind of near the base. I'll grab the toy and I'll try to pull it through the ring of my fingers. Um, And if my fingers are kind of loosely around the toy and I can pull the toy through and the base comes, it comes through with you know, through my, my fingers, that is telling me that that's not necessarily the safest toy. Yes. And from personal experience, you know, I've had this experience where I have (laughs) extracted a lost butt Mm -hmm. plug from my partner's asshole. Um, and that's exactly what I did was calmly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there was a little adrenaline involved because it's, it's an oh shit moment, but just, you know, hooked my, I used two fingers and I hooked them around the base and pulled Mm -hmm. it out. And I mean, it was a glass, you know, this was well prepared. And basically what happened was the person said that they were like a total novice to butt play. And that was Uh not really true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it is amazing to me how sometimes it's like, butts just have their own life. You know, it's like, you'll go like, oh, it's going to be picky. It's going to be picky. And then it pulls your whole arm in. And you're like, what yep. the fuck happened? Yep. You know, um, <laughs> you know. So, the, and and sometimes that's how relaxed the person is. Sometimes it's because the person is really good at like being able to control, even if they didn't think that they could. Um, and sometimes it's like the more turned on we get, the more relaxed everything is. And so, like having somebody who's really fucking horny, like much easier to penetrate them, and also like don't let go of that that little vibrator, the ones that are the absolute worst, absolute worst. Um, the old school kind of like, um, torpedo shaped vibrators, the ones with the dial on the bottom that it's just like, it goes like, and that's it. Um, in one of those, but I mean, like most of us have torpedo? had at least one of those. Yeah. It's like just a like a, like a bullet oh, vibrator. Um, well, I think of the bullets as like the little ones. I'm talking about the ones that are like six, seven inches long. They're often white. They have a tapered tip, but there's no, okay. there's no difference in the, the problem with those is there's no base whatsoever. And they're really uh, slick plastic. So, so like, that's like the magical. Um, again, people will put, Oh my God. I, I mean, kids put stuff up their butts all the time. Humans, like adults, don't get any better with it. 
you know, it's like if people weren't constantly putting random things in their butt, we wouldn't have all of the x-rays that we can view online to see like, oh, that person put put two G.I. Joe (laughs) dolls in their butt. Why? (laughs) Who knows? You know, Uh, you know, but, you know, just kind of like thinking about what what toys do I need in order for this to be safe is the best first place to start. Um, An ounce of prevention. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, it, it really is. There's this. I think there's also a, a way that it's actually helpful to relax when you know that, um, you know, like there are three different toys of different sizes and there's plenty of lube and there's a, there's a towel or a drop cloth or whatever that is covering your, your fancy massively high thread count sheets that you don't want to ruin. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, you know, and you have wipes and you have a glass of water nearby and, you know, so like when you have all of that, I think that that also helps with your body being able to relax into things because you're not having to worry about it. And like from a top standpoint, um, when I've got my hand in, I don't want to have to like go run to the kitchen to get something, you know, it's like, I don't want to have to pull out and then start over again. And so if I have like the toys that I want to use and my gloves nearby, then I feel like I can more organically play with my partner's body as they're showing up that day. You know, and it's like, maybe it's a day where like, oh, they do want to take the bigger toy. If I've already pulled the bigger toy out just in case, then it becomes very fluid and and there's not a break in the action. There's not a thing that allows us to start getting in there and second guessing ourselves, you know, because once people start doing that, that's when, that's when things start kind of going like, oh, this is getting tight. I don't know if I can do any more of this. And so we want to as much as possible pregame so that we don't have to engage our brain as much. All right. So when we spoke before the show, it sounded like you were up for very bravely telling one of your own shit happens stories. Do you Mm -hmm. want to take us out with a story? I would absolutely love to. So um, names have been changed to protect the innocent. Um, I was uh, relatively novice to using strap-ons on my partner and um, had a thigh harness that was just making my life seems so much easier. It was like so much easier to navigate, but it was a really rigid ring that was holding, you know, the, where the ring that you put in the toy through. And I had bought a dildo that was in the like factory seconds. It's not as bad as it sounds because it was Tantus and it was really good company. But um, I had that dildo in there and it was like, I loved this dildo. It was like this vaguely realistic looking um, kind of looked like my skin color, sort of. And it was just a reasonable size, right? It wasn't like the biggest toy you'll ever see. Um, So I've got this in my harness and I am going to town on my partner and fucking his ass and just, just like, you know, being mean and like hitting his inner thighs while I'm doing it. I was just, I, you know, like I was, I was feeling my dominance, you know, I was like, I was like bitch on wheels at that moment. And, um, a combination of, I think how tight the, the ring on the harness was and the fact that it may not have been a first run toy. Um, it actually broke off, um, right at the base. And so like I pushed in and then I pulled back and the (laughs) dick didn't come with it. And I was, and you know, it's like, you know, you know how it is when you're like really ramped up and you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. And then something, and I'm literally like, in the back of my brain, I'm like, well, what the fuck do I do now? 
<laughs> because it was like, you know, I was really into it. And I was just like, oh, you're going to take it. You're going to take it, bitch. You're going to, you know, and, and like my dick broke. What do I do now? And so um, I, I'm really grateful for the fact that I'm a fairly <laughs> um, weird person. And so the, the thing that came to mind, which is what I did was I started screaming at him because he broke my dick and I removed the dick from his ass and started hitting his legs with it. Cause I didn't know what else to do. So I literally had my dick broken in, in a scene. um, (laughs) You know, that's kind of amazing. I, I love that story because it also is like, you know, we're talking about shit happens and sometimes you break your dick. Yep. Sometimes (laughs) Sometimes you break your dick and, and, and the quality of who we are as a partner is how well we ride through that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, I could have, I could have like gone like, oh my God, we've got to end the scene right now because something bad happened. But it was like, okay, so really how bad was this? It's not that bad. I can still get this dick out of his ass. Okay. I'm going to just take the dick out of his ass and I'm just going to keep going. And it ended up being something that we both ended up laughing about, but we were mm-hmm. also able to get back to play pretty quickly. You know, like I just shifted to do something different. And so, you know, it's also a reminder to me that it's not about how great you are at doing the thing. It's about how compassionate you are about coming back from it. Absolutely. And I think that that's why it's been so important for us to do this sort of, you know, it sort of came about organically. I didn't set out to have Naughty Talk rules, but every once in a while, someone says something on the show and rule number one was don't be an asshole. And rule number two Shit, it happens. shit happens. Yeah, it and really it, does. It does. It happens to everybody. Like accidents are going to happen. You're going to plan. You're going to negotiate. You're going to talk about your risk profiles. You're going to mm-hmm. do everything you can to keep things safe or, you know, keep things sexy because sometimes it's not a safety issue. It's just awkward AF. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, stuff is going to happen, but it's, it's how you respond to it that you you know, don't get angry, don't get your ego involved, deal with the safety situation first. And then, you know, sometimes you can get right back into the scene and still have an amazing scene. And sometimes you have to say, you know what, this is something that we really need to take care of. And we need to stop the scene and move to aftercare or whatever the person needs. But yeah, it's kind of how you handle it that I think Mm -hmm. defines that moment and makes it a positive or a negative. And also probably whether that person is going to laugh at it with you later or like eat your guts because you were a jerk with the way you. (laughs) Well, and I knew that this partner is like, had a, had as bad of a sense of humor. I wouldn't necessarily Mm -hmm. do that with somebody else with somebody else. I might be like, you know, like, Oh, okay. You just broke my dick. I guess that's it. I'm going to have to spank you now. You know, it's like, there's so many different ways you can do it. But I really think that the reason that we do um, kink and the reason that I encourage people to play with their butts and play with their partner's butts is that it's, it's about owning our pleasure and it's about, uh, you know, like our own autonomy as human beings. And so like, absolutely roll with it. Talk to your partner about like, Hey, how do you want me to handle this? But I mean, it's just sex. It's just fucking sex. It's not the end of the world. Shit's going to happen roll with it. It doesn't mean it's always going to happen. Right. Well, thank you so much for having this amazing conversation with me and for sharing your story. Absolutely (laughs) appreciate it. And it has been an absolute joy. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have you back on the show again in the future. Thanks for joining us. 
Thanks as always for listening to Naughty Talk. Our show is available on most popular podcast platforms. For updates, to submit a request to be a guest on the show, to write in with questions for our hosts or request lifestyle advice, head over to the show's page at sunnyleemain.com. You'll also find information about my novels, including my Turn the Key series, which are dark erotica with themes of hypnosis, BDSM, and sometimes a little bit of magic. All books feature different kinks and are queer inclusive. I hope you've enjoyed the show and you join us again next time.